Hello, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the One Inch Barrier. I am your host, Juan Carlos Ohana. And again, I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy. All right, so um, like I promised during the Drive My Car episode, um, we are going to do like a final say goodbye. <laughs> no, like a final chat. Just to wrap things up, things that have happened during the past two years of this podcast. We're going to answer some questions, tell some stories um and more um but before i continue just want to say first thank you so much for sticking around um i would not assume that you're you're all here from the beginning but i'm glad that you're here now <laughs> by the end um this podcast um started april of 2020 the first episode was recorded uh march and uh it's so weird to be talking about like the end because I never saw the end when I was doing the first episode. I just wanted to do this podcast, but anyway, more on that later. So before me to, I don't know, deep from what just happened during the past two years, I'm joined by um, a guest that you've heard in the second season where we talked about No Man's Land in the films of 2001 fourth season where we talked about Fanny Alexander the films of 1983 sixth season where we talked about Through a Glass Darkly in the films of 1961 and the seventh season just finished um, talking about Gate of Hell in the films of 1954 um, he's a writer and film experience in magazine HD um, please welcome Claude Javis hi Claudia. thank you so much for joining me um, on this thing <laughs> beautiful friend thank you for inviting me yeah um <laughs> you know I, I i just for full disclosure i i wasn't sure on i don't know I, I wanted to wrap things up but of course i wanted to wrap things up with with you because you by this time you're now this is your fifth episode on the podcast which makes you the first person ever to be like a five-timer club a club but um oh, yeah first and only first just as i deserve only. that's about to end <laughs> <laughs> but before we continue can you tell her again can you tell our listeners where can they find you on the internet so you can find me at the film experience if you can read in Portuguese, I'm also at Magazine HD. Occasionally, I write some essays for Photogenie. And you can find me on most social networks. I'm Claudio Alves DC at, at Twitter and most others. Yeah, all right. So, um, like I said, I, I asked you to come in because um, I think I would be talking cray-cray if I just do it by myself because... Um, every episode has a story and I don't think anyone wants to know anyone needs to know um every story (laughs) (laughs) but there is um and um some of those memories that will be in my mind forever but you know um help me how um this podcast I don't know how to wrap things up please help me take charge (laughs) well you know since I am probably your most long-winded guest (laughs) 
I'm not sure asking me to do this was the wisest decision, but here we are. We have to live with the choices we make. Okay. We do have a lot of questions from, you know, from regular listeners and even some guests. So maybe we can sort of guide ourselves through that. Okay. With some, with some you know, some detours here and there. Okay. A lot of detours. Look, I'm doing my best, but I'm me, okay? <laughs> okay. If you can get this under two hours, yes. You should probably edit that out. <laughs> I won't. Don't. No, this is a tell-all, so I'll no cuts. <laughs> okay, so um, sure, we're here to talk about the podcast, but I thought perhaps we should talk about the films first and okay. then that'll be the more sentimental and anecdotal part about the podcast history. Okay. So we can end, you know, in a very emotional note. Both of us crying and things like that. Oh, no. <laughs> this is not directed by Steven Soderbergh. Is he a particular sentimental director? I don't usually no, think of him that But he way. wanted to end things on an emotional note at the Oscars. Oh, um, we, don't, we don't talk about that. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a mean joke. Sorry, Stephen. Wow, he's listening. We couldn't even get our first question started. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I started with a very basic question. You know, what was your favorite year? This was asked by Fritz from Fritz and the Oscars. Film-wise, what was your favorite year? 2019. Really? Easy. A... Wow. Um, I think in terms of how no, maybe I'll answer kind of try to kind of try to vary my my answer there. Um, 2019 because I think the quality of the film, quality of the films. <laughs> uh, I th- yeah. I thought it was the most consistent. I um they're the group with the closest that I'm really in love with all I mean my number five is Corpus Christi and it's like um a minus b plus for me <laughs> so that says a lot about the quality of the of the group because usually I think with this uh category you usually have um one to two great films two to three good films one that's mediocre or just not for me and once in a while, we get those just bad, bad films. Um, so 2018 really stands out with me. And I'm kind of weird that I started with that one because it felt like every episode was chasing that in terms of yeah, the quality that's, of the year. That's just what I was thinking to say. So you start with the best one and none of the others lived up to that. I mean, um, I think m- maybe the other years, uh, for example, oh, maybe I could say... Um, in terms of consistency of the quality, not saying that they're all high, high, but in terms of consistency of the quality, I could say something like uh, 2004. I really liked all of the nominees there. That's when that's the year to see inside. You have Downfall, As It Is In Heaven, I See Inside Yesterday, and The Chorus. I liked all of those. Uh, no yeah. And then, <laughs> huh? What? No comments on my part. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have issue with one or two or three, right? I, I know. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, also, like 1999, uh, the year of All About My Mother and the other nominees, Caravan, East, West, Solomon and Gainer, Under the Sun. I liked all of those. Um, 
in terms of yeah i'm kind of trying to look back to i'm currently opening my spreadsheet um 1983 i think that's a solid year for me um fanny alexander there was the revolt of joke carmen libal and antrenu yeah so you know would you say that the category sort of is in a, an upward trajectory right now um when Since it's sort when of you meant, like like you mentioned two films from the past to two years from the past twenty uh-huh. academy years so are we in an upward trajectory do you think it looks in comparison to something like the eighties and the nineties I think yeah. I mean, kind of weird though, because I think the 2010s are, I think, the strongest decade is the strongest cat- decade of the category. And then once we hit 2020, 2021, um, I'm very mixed with 2020. I think that sort of tracks with the, the rule changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, uh, that's when they, they didn't do the save, I think. Yeah, so so your favorite period is sort of post post the the Romanian scandal when four months, three weeks and two days didn't get in and they changed the rules. And pre the change rules back again when they eliminated the the committee phase. Probably because even in two thousand eight, nine, I don't love all of the films, but aside from one or two. I didn't hate any of these films. Yeah. And I mean, there are some surprising choices there, like Dog 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'd way too young. (laughs) (laughs) How old must you be to watch that film? I think I was 15 or 16. Watched it on a family television. You know that that's you know it's a film about family. Yeah, it's a family film. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. You know, going in that same logic, what was your single favorite movie, Fritz? Also, fast. I'm not gonna say Parasite because that's the most obvious. I am also a separation is obvious. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I don't want to pick pick like a two 2010s because I don't want to show my my, my recency, recency bias. bias, even though the again the quality of this category just keep on getting better. Um I'll say something like um I'm not gonna limit myself, like Waltz with Bashir just shook me to my core. Uh Hero from China 2002 is just amazing for me. Departures is a, um, a winner that I treasure in my heart for some reason. Um, Caravan from Nepal just transported me uh, elsewhere. The um, Oh yeah, the, the Ang Lee nominees, uh, The Wedding Banquet, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, and uh, of course, Crouching Tiger, but that's uh, like a default answer. Um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, 1988. That just um, gave me one of the best times I've had watching um, and, and, not, and not just because of cute Antonio Banderas. Oh, no. <laughs> to be fair, it was really about the women doing one of the most bonkers things on cinema. That you I've know, seen. With, you, with you, we never know. <laughs> okay. You've started it. Okay. Um, 
favorite f- mm, day for night is just a, a treat as someone who has missed making films and um, missed also the chaos of making films um day for night is um i it was a treat that i uh, i saw um uh Woman in the Dunes is transportive and terrifyingly great. Um, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, I'm not as hot on it as everyone, but the music is one of the best ever, ever, ever. Um, Harp of Burma is chilling. And um, yeah, I think those are the top of my head, not preparing for it. I intentionally not prepared for it favorites from the lineup but even i've said mostly my number ones from these years but even not films that are not my number one there's some really great stuff here maybe going from that question gabe guarin asked what film was the most exciting surprise to cover either as a winner or a nominee seven beauties really that one surprised you surprised i was surprised by myself on how I reacted to it. And surprised by how Lena Wettmuller's brain just like operated with that film. And I could not believe what I was watching. I was like, I, I, I could not believe that he, she went there. <laughs> she went there in that film. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, I was that the whole time. Um, I else? think personally, you know, when watching that film, the my surprise was, oh, the Oscars really went for it. Yeah. Brazenly political film by an anarchist. Because Lena Westwood. Lena, Lena, Lena. Rest in peace, Queen. Um, Films that surprised me. Um, I don't know. Usually, you know, here's the thing. Um, The films that I have high expectations on, which means the classics, they usually kind of fail me just a tiny bit. So the surprises really come from films that actually should not be a surprise at all because I have no idea about them. Like, for example, uh, 1959, The Bridge. Brilliant anti-war film. I, I was, I could not believe it. I thought, why is this not more well-known? I was, I, I was floored by it. Um, Twin Sisters of Kyoto, maybe on the virtue of preferring it over eight and a half. <laughs> um, that surprised me. I love that. I love the atmosphere of that film. Not that I'm loving films just because of atmosphere. Uh, I mean, I think that's valid. Yeah. Um, what else? That really surprised me. Battle of Algiers. I was surprised on how it articulated anger so much. Political anger. Um, same thing with Zed. Um, of, I, and I did. This is my first Costa Gagbas film, so I didn't know how political he could get in his films, overly political. And um, I was just like these films when I was like very much in political madness. They articulated it. Um, Turkish delight. I'm just surprised that the Academy went for this. <laughs> and I saw this with my mom and it was an erect penis oh no <laughs> oh yes <laughs> and there was like a bleeding brain in the first five minutes I'm like okay mom stick around um, black and white in color one of the least known winners loved it loved it what else surprised me 
I think everything surprises me. <laughs> uh, You're very easy to surprise. <laughs> oh, am I? Um, <laughs> may, may the listeners <laughs> <laughs> interpret that as you will. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Betty Blue. Oh, that film was so hard to find. Surprised that the Academy you went want, for it. You wanted the theatrical cut. Yeah, so hard to find, but also like so sexual, so powerfully sexual. Not saying that all of it is a hold, all of it holds up, but um, remains to be um, surprising. That, uh, Did you Academy. watch that one with your mom too? Oh no, I, I intentionally watched it like midnight. Oh. Yeah, I learned my lesson. <laughs> it is kind of, you know, your answer sort of brought to mind two things, which is like, how did you feel about the Academy history? Because when you went through the 60s and 70s, I think you really see an, an openness to author cinema and politics and sex you don't really see nowadays. Do you think we sort of, I don't know, you think the, the Academy lost some of its mojo or some of its adventurous spirit? Maybe. You know, I'm also thinking because of what was happening during the 50s leading to the 60s that made the choices really exciting and fun. Like, um, was, was, were, were the Academy members also part of the cultural revolution that was happening in America in those times? Uh, maybe they were. Oh, was Hollywood really failing the Oscars in terms of options that um, Academy members are forced forced to branch out? Um, I, I will never know. And I, I actually did limited research on the context of the years, which I should have. Uh, I did it on, on, on a few years, but I, I, don't, I don't really know if, because, you know, this, I think 80s and 90s are kind of like that. Mm. Sort of a conservative backlash almost. Yeah, with many mediocre choices. Like a lot of, not bad, but huh, why am I safe. watching this? Yeah, safe. Uh, I think we're starting to get back into it. 2010s are a lot of thematically ambitious films. Um, let's see if it holds in the 2020s. Yeah. Another thing that your your last response sort of reminded me of is that you really went on an adventure discovering post-war Japanese cinema, which is one of my favorite things. And how was that? Discovering it backwards? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it started to make sense because I, there is this hunger that you feel this eagerness in the films that I've seen from Japan around the time. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't know any context why. But when I reached the Rashomon episode, um, you know, my guest, who's a dear film professor, um, kind of said, you know, Japan was picking, its, uh, picking up itself, to, <laughs> picking itself up yeah, from the ruins. From yeah. yeah. And Usually in the hardest times to make, unfortunately, the best art. And 
I think it contributed to that. Um, I've also seen a few of Japanese films not submitted at all, like for example, Late Spring. Um, there is a deep sense of you know, humanistic touch in these films or embracing the unknown, the, the mystical, especially with the twin sisters of Kyoto and uh, in terms of tone at least, Woman in the Dunes, like you're not sure what you're really watching. <laughs> um, these are adventurous films that I don't know what brought them. And unfortunately, like I think the 50s in, the, in Hollywood, they were starting to see the cracks of the haze go that time, right? What during the 50s for sure, yeah. Yeah. Especially after 1953 and The Moon is Blue. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's a terrible movie, but it has historical importance. Then I will see it. <laughs> Best actress nominee, Maggie McNamara. Cheers. She's terrible. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, still in the theme of Japanese cinema, Ronaldo Sosa asks, what's the most money you would pay if someone told you they oh! could get what Portrait of Shieko for you. That damn film. Um, for for listeners who don't know, that's the only nominee that was impossible to find. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I think, I, I don't know how to convert this in dollars, but in Philippine pesos, I would say 2,500 pesos. Philippine pesos. So roughly... Roughly, I think fifty dollars. I don't know. I'm cheap, so <laughs> oh, it still it, it still breaks my heart. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to comment on that, but know that I want to. <laughs> mean, mean, mean. You know, you have. <laughs> you can only blame yourself. You were the one that invited me for this podcast. Which is how we became friends. I knew what I was getting into. I knew I was gonna be into a lot of like oh, double entendres and uh, spilling the beans and spilling the teas and uh, exposing my private, private, private life. But here we are. That was obviously, you know, the best thing that came out of this podcast, right? <laughs> I didn't know that. I was just doing it by default. <laughs> I was like, you know, in every regular episode, I was like, I'm having a bad time. I'm like, oh. Very sexual, like me, I'm like, and then like, oh, you know, my religiosity is like reflected in this film, and otherwise, oh, I'm depressed, guys. But just like, <laughs> on a, day, a weekly basis. Yeah, this this project sort of is a a, a diary of your ups and downs for the last two years. Uh, fortunately and unfortunately, yeah, I I will agree on that. Yeah, you know, cinema sort of reflects our own life back to us. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> My attempt at lyricism was wasted on you. Not on me tonight. <laughs> I will not be as deep anymore. Just useless. Mm, I didn't stop you before. <laughs> <laughs> now who's spilling the beans? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Truth. Okay. okay. Oh, he admitted it. Okay, okay. Let's try to keep things pro- professional. After sure. all these things. Let's, let's say professional. 
you know, we've been talking about superlatives and a lot of positivity, but Ronaldo Sosa asks, what's the worst film you have to watch for the podcast? Huh. Um, quick glance. Quick glance, the insult. Oh. Lebanon, 2017. Uh, 12 from Russia, 2007. Don't Tell from Italy, 2005. Zus and Zo from the Netherlands, 2002. Um, bad films. Huh? Uh, Viva Italia from Italy, 1978. Uh, I want to see Madame Lisa from France. I deserve to see Let me see Sunday Sensible from France, 1962. Oh, <gasps> a winner. Oh, and, the scandal. And um, I think, yeah. You know, the thing, my problem with Sunday Sensible is it's beautifully made, but there's something really wrong fundamentally about it. But <laughs> some of the nominees are just like bad, bad. You know, I've been trying. I haven't watched all the winners, but before this conversation, I tried to catch up on some of the ones I hadn't watched. And yesterday, I watched Volver a Empezar, which brought to mind a question. What is the most boring film you've had to watch for this podcast? Oh, most boring film. Apologies for Volver a Empezar, but you deserve it. Not that. I was charmed by it. I know, um, but, you know. Most boring. I wasn't. <laughs> you know for me boring would be something that I did, it just didn't connect to um, I could say something like The Great War from Italy um, say boring can I say Knife in the Water from Poland 1963 um, <laughs> well, that was well made but you know still And then uh, Battle of Nervous, just noise, just noise. Yugoslav in 69. First Love from Switzerland. Okay, Maximilian Schell. I think this is his feature film debut. I have no idea what he was trying to do. Um, you know, I'm, when, I, when, when I'm trying to do this list, I'm usually trying to think, like, okay, maybe I was bored, but maybe the film was trying to do something. Um, Madame Rosa just don't have nothing. Good, didn't get anything from me. Um, oh my goodness. Um, what else? Like private life from Soviet Union. I, I, okay, I don't know. Um, Hanusen from Hungary just didn't connect with me. The family from Italy has some beautiful men, but uh, it, it just also didn't connect with that. Um, what else? It was like boring. Uh, The Grandfather from Spain, 1998. Just, um, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that one. Um, it feels like it has its own charm that is for a different kind of audience. Not me. And um, boring, boring, boring. Um, 12 from Russia. That's bad and boring. That's an awful combination. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and then... You know, this is one I kind of regret, though. Um, the Milk of Sorrow from Peru. I felt, I feel like I just didn't click with it at the time. But maybe I would be <laughs> if I watch it. Because I was bored. I remember was being bored at the time. Um, 
also theme from Jordan. But again, some of these I'm kind of chalking up to maybe I wasn't in the right condition at the time because I didn't yeah. think they were bad, but I was bored, you know? I would think this project probably also sort of affected the way you look at some of these films. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. You always think of them as like, was this a worthy winner? Was this a worthy nominee? Like, even when you cover the Oscars, like, oh, was this a worthy yeah. picture? Yeah, that's, that's sort of one of the curses of the Oscar. Sometimes it's better to be snubbed. Yeah. And like, if it's snubbed, if it, it was snubbed, then, oh yeah, that happens. You know, you deserve it. But it was snubbed and it's actually great. Oh my gosh. Like, the Oscars, whether I try to neutralize its impact on me or not it will be because I mean, these were the five that they chose it's always going to be in the back of my head you know we, we just come out of an oscar season where coda <laughs> i wasn't going i wasn't going to say the name of the movie but coda. i think that that little piece of mediocrity is going to age very poorly in part because the Oscar that it won. I knew it too. Leading the days leading up to it, I knew like, okay, I love this film, but it has no business winning. And if it wins five years from now, at earliest, people will start thinking, what the what happened in 2021? And the Oscars just went yeah. with it. Sorry, Coda fans. <laughs> I'm on your yeah. side, but not with a win <laughs> for best picture. <laughs> I am not on your side, Coda fan. Oh, you want me to tell him? You want me to have to tell you guys what Coda <laughs> said about Coda? <laughs> I have never been on your side. <laughs> to be fair, you weren't hating on the film when it was starting to build up its awards momentum. Like, no, you really didn't like it from the get-go. Yeah. Like, I watched it, what, in September, and I gave it two stars on Letterboxd. Anyway... Let's get away from Coda before I start to cry. <laughs> I go outside now. I love that song. I'm so... Whatever. <laughs> Just think of it as a song from Hereditary. Oh, that makes me feel better. Just think of Emma Thompson crying. From Love Actually? From Love Actually, yes. Hmm. Okay, going back to subtitles. <laughs> going back to subtitles. You know, that sort of Oscar curse, I wonder if it sort of plays a role in all those 80s and 90s films nobody's heard of. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they wouldn't be sort of remembered as lost mm-hmm. gems if they added Oscar winner there and sort of build up expectations. Mm. Sure, like, I mean, first of all, we'll never know. But second, I kind of agree. Like, for example, I think, I, I think, uh, for example, something like Mediterranean, which I think better be forgotten. <laughs> um, <laughs> Roger Ebert famously hated that movie. Walked out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. For example, something like Character. Character is a film that is well made, but it's about nothing at all. And I don't what know what... It was one of Stephen Sondheim's favorite movies. <laughs> Rest in peace, I guess. Um, the you fate, know, 
listeners, the face he just made, the utter disrespect for Stephen Sondheim. No, that was disrespect for for character. If for you character. listened, if you if we all listened to the episode about character, my guest and I tried to talk about that film. There was nothing to talk about that film. It's an empty film, empty, empty, empty. Um, but I don't think it's bad. It's just empty. Or maybe that's bad. But you know, for example, something like uh, Kolya, Kolya, now being a winner, and we'd be like, "What's Kolya?" But I think it's a sweet little film that people, if they didn't win, people, oh, that's an adorable Czech film that you know. I found it on Amazon, rented it for three ninety nine or something. Instead of being like an Oscar winner, and because it's not available widely available, people would be thinking like, "What is?" this Kolya thing like why did it win over oh the other films are also not memorable okay um but maybe something like journey of hope over judo or sihanda de bergerac or uh, mediterranean over race the red lantern or um belle époque over feral concubine um and um the wedding banquet and the center of green papaya or burnt by the sun over um eat drink man woman you know those things Well, the 90s really were a terrible time <laughs> to follow this category. I'm I have to stuck say, okay. <laughs> I've held on to <laughs> You survived. You you went through it and you came out the other side. I have a I have a I have a tea. I have a tea. This is like this <gasps> is okay, I have a tea. Um as someone who's the host, sometimes it's a bit hard to invite people when the film is not well known. Like you really have to find a guest who's game for anything. Otherwise, you have to kind of know the person's personality. Would they be a good fit? You know, you're trying to assess if they're good, good fit or not with the film. I also want to give the guest a good time and not just guess like, oh, I just guess here. Like, I want to have the I want the guest to have an experience. I had a lot of hard time with the '90s because what are the expectations? These films are not known. They don't know. They just trusted. I don't know me or the podcast or the Oscars. Like, oh, okay, I'll I'll do character, I guess. Or like, what's Antonio's line? You're my friend anyway. Let's go. Let's talk about it. But you know, it was a bit hard to for me to approach people and like, would you like to be on a show? Like, what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Mediterranean. What is that? So you know, tea. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Fritz asked, were there moments when you thought you would not cover all years? And yes. I wonder if this, this 90s problem, was it one of those moments? <clears throat> oh, no, 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 no. Um, I first thought of that way back in the first season. Oh. Um, the first season ended with the rise of Black Lives Matter. The George Floyd incident happened. Mm-hmm. In my country, the anti-terror law was passed. Heavier surveillance. Um, at the while I was ending the the podcast, you'll hear it in you'll probably hear it in my voice in that episode of In a Better World, the season finale. I was not as enthusiastic, not because of the guest or the the episode, but because it was starting to feel like does my podcast mean anything? So. Right from the first season, I know like okay, this is probably like a limited series. <laughs> I'm gonna do one season of it, 
I'm like, oh yeah, you got it out of your system. You're fine. You don't have to do it. Um, if you do the next season, would people care about the counterfeiters <laughs> or nowhere in Africa, <laughs> you know, or departures? And I thought it would doing the podcast started to minimize the dwarf in the larger scheme of things. So right from the first season, I thought, okay, I might not be doing this anymore. Um, and I, I already accepted it. But it took me a while to get to say, all right, just do it. And another T, <laughs> if you'll notice, the first four guests of the, of the second season were all my friends from film school. I did that because I wasn't feeling very game yet, but I wanted to do it anyway. So I wanted to do it with people. I don't have to worry about building rapport. Like, you know, let's just talk as friends about these films. So when I finally got to the guests that were in you know, the first time I talked to from 2005 onwards, I was already warmed up. But really the, between first and second season, I, was, I ended the first season thinking I might not be able to do this anymore but when the second season ended um and then i was already booking guests for the third season once i did the third season like there's no stopping yeah yeah i'm glad you never stopped ah i should have stopped by 2002 so i didn't 2001 didn't happen (laughs) oh no but oh you know and I would say um, finding the films did give me a lot of trepidation moving luckily things fell into place and I was able to find them except one that damn portrait of Shiego <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was, because I wasn't sure moving forward, because, you know, 70s, 60s, not all of those are, most of them are kind of easy to find. 80s and 90s are hard to find. No one cares about these films, mostly. And that's sad. That's really sad for me. Um, So I had to get really creative and find the weirdest of places where I could find them. Um, But, you know, I wasn't, gonna be stopping i was just gonna be like oh maybe this year i could only watch four of the nominees which would be sour for me because i i'm a completist in a way and do five rank five like that but you know portrait of chico was the only one who was inevitable i did all of those so yes my my the thoughts that i would not be able to do all of the years started season bouncing back from that you know sort of melancholic musing uh i have to say i watched belle epoque (laughs) this past (laughs) week and i was oh no this is what it would be like living in with juan carlos with four of him all obsessing over a cute twink that appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. The chaos. That was my connection with the film. That was your connection. Which reminds me, one of my favorite parts of this project has been uh, a little 
end of season tradition on Twitter where you choose the the Oscar hotties from each of these years. I use the term beautiful men. Oscar hotties feel like they're objectifying them, but you know, you know what I mean. But but you wouldn't you wouldn't do such a thing. I Never. wouldn't. I respect all actors. Especially those where they appear in the background of one scene and then you go into IMDb to try to find who they were. And I have to translate. Because like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, for example, um, the actor from Life is Beautiful, Atenanda Redesco, like, what is that? Atenanda Redesco. Oh, oh, German waiter. Oh, okay. I found you. I see you. Like, you know. Let's not comment on the amount of Nazi characters. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, ended, that ended up on that list. I just said German waiter. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know if, 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 if one, if some listener wasn't found out that yet, you know, wasn't perused those lists of beautiful men and goes there and suddenly, does this guy have a Nazi fetish? I'm just warning them. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't no, supporting the ideology. I'm just like the face, you know. It's the face. It's all those white twins. <laughs> Can't blame me, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Get out, please, though! Yes! Oh. Yes! <laughs> I'm really curious to see uh, how you... Because you haven't done the seventh season yet. Yeah. I'm really curious to see who you pick because some of those years, you are limited to one film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to unveil my okay. picks. I want to ask you just one thing. Are you finally going to pick Toshiro Mifune? Let's see. No, this is the last podcast episode. You have <laughs> to tell us. I, I, I haven't, you know, here's the thing. Um, when I first did For the- For fuck's sake, you have Rashomon with like four minutes. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, you know, here's the thing. Um, when I did the first season, I was like, you know, let's look back at the hotties. Let's look at the, the, the beautiful men. By the second season, I was actively looking for hot men. <laughs> <laughs> and always waiting for the end credits. It's hard when it's a Japanese film because you have to translate the characters. Like, uh, no boo. Okay, you know. You know, that stuff, but uh, what was the question? Oh, we'll see. You know, if anyone has listened to the 1961 episode or the 1954 episode, you will know that I have been advocating for Toshiro Mifune's hotness on this podcast. I've been doing my part, that's been my mission, and I have been ignored. <laughs> And you know, here's the thing, though. It would be weird to pick him in Rashomon knowing what he did in Rashomon. Oh, but the Nazis are fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, though, and I don't want to disrespect the Shinima Funes legacy. When I was watching Rashomon, I did, I did chat you up and said, oh, my gosh, his nipples. Yeah, I remember. Oh. And I was like, I was like oh, for the first time. He gets it. <laughs> yeah. Respect. Peace. A peace. Rest in peace, Mr. Mifune. He was also a really great actor. It's not just plus. It's not just oh, plus. yeah, he is. He is. 
He also is. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually even watch like it's filmography so vast because you sort of been, you know, Pigeon you know, guided by the Oscars. There's still so many things we haven't watched. High and low. Yeah. Because he was one of sort of your discoveries for from this podcast because you hadn't watched anything with him before, right? Yeah, and the first one was The Important Man. <laughs> Let's not talk about that one. Toshio <laughs> Mifune as a Mexican. In, In brown face. Yeah. Moving on. Moving uh, on, sir. <laughs> what were other artists, sort of other big names that you had for some reason never explored that you sort of discovered? You know, not discovered because you'd heard of them, but you were introduced to them at long last thanks to this podcast. Top of my head, Gong Li. Really? Um... Are you a fan? Yeah. Are you a fan now, as you should be? After, <laughs> after watching, after doing the 90s, I'm like, Gong Lee, one of the best. Should have been nominated for 1994 for To Live and Supporting Actress for Fail and Concubine. You should have won that one. And uh, anything she's eligible in. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the range of her. <laughs> her range is just unbelievable unbelievable like um her judo uh raised the red lantern i haven't seen the story of kuju um that was the time when i had like a covid scare so i wasn't up to watching extra films uh pharaoh my concubine to live i did watch it because i was excited for her i haven't seen um shanghai triad um didn't get to it in time I think she's my first like discovery, like um, someone I really loved, loved after doing se- watching several of her films. Um, I'm trying to remember if I had any discoveries from the 2000s. I don't know. Usually I get to do those discoveries earlier because mm-hmm. earlier they tend to repeat countries more often. Yeah. Um, no, not really a lot of discoveries recently. <laughs> I mean, Nobody's more, sweet. but just nope. watch. Huh? Nope. Nobody's Swedish. Swedish, <laughs> Swedish. Uh, Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, but you know, I, I have seen Autumn Sonata before, so it wasn't like yeah. I was uninitiated to him before. Um, but yeah, Ingmar Bergman and um, whatever he's doing, there's a lot. Um, the the expanse of his filmography going backwards is an interesting um, uh, it's an interesting experience because you get to watch his most like maybe his most uh. Uh, formalistically ambitious, if you would agree or not, Fanny Alexander. Maybe yeah. not. <laughs> But you start to see him go back to the chamber dramas. That's yeah. an interesting experience. Um, who else did I discover? Oh, Pedro Almodovar. Oh, really? You, yeah. weren't fam- you weren't that familiar with this cinema before? Uh, I've only seen... Or, or at least his classic. <laughs> classics uh especially earlier works because i've only seen prior to the podcast i've only seen um broken embraces the skin i live in 
And those I've seen in the context of their years, not necessarily in the context of Pedro, the filmmaker. So when yeah. I was going back, you know, um, Pain and Glory, those films, uh, uh, Volver, I did, re- I did watch Volver, talk to her, uh, all about my mother, Woman on the Verge. I'm like, oh. I don't remember. Did you watch Law of Desire? No, no. You really must watch that one. I heard. Um, you love Demon Twinks. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I also was interested in 1980s with uh, Norma Leandro. Oh, yay. But, but you, you sort of, you first saw her in, uh, in our first episode, 2001. Sorry? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Son of the Bride. And then the official story. And, and then she's great. She's great in Son of the Bride, even if the film maybe not. Yeah, and then she was that. also in the Truce. That yeah. that's a that's a cameo though. <laughs> it's a <laughs> one two scene. She slept with the lead, something like that. Um, but yeah, but she's amazing. Yeah, and then um, oh, this is just one time thing. But Ellen Klimov, we're coming to see. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know, I know she wasn't nominated, but I really, I think you'd, you'd find a lot to love in the cinema of, of his wife, Larissa Sheptiko. Send. She did, um, she did Ascent, yeah, yeah, and she also did Wings. And she's just, she, it's, it's just amazing, her work. Uh, yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of her excerpts from the documentary series I'm still watching <laughs> women make film and um, yeah. really you know those are my regrets um, yeah. I mean but again you were sort of you know you had the Oscars to you know a guide in you and, all, and not just nominees but the submissions so you were limited yeah you wanted to watch <clears throat> it was always going to be like the five and if I have time the others yeah, and the Soviet Union would have never selected her movies. No, no, and not even submissions. Like sometimes I'm just curious for about a film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was trying to remember why I didn't watch something from Larissa Shapitko. Uh, the Ascent. I didn't know her then. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that was the only reason. And um, you know, sometimes I don't watch. I don't get to watch extra films. Like for example, in 1969, I did watch 20, 18 films from 1969, yeah. and then there are years where I've only watched five. Some of them because I was already burnt out. Some of them because I had a COVID scare. Some of them really COVID <laughs> and I'm really tired. Um, and the most recent one, seventh season, I wasn't able to watch a lot of extra films because I was doing full-time volunteering for the campaign. So yeah, a lot of gaps. And I have acknowledged them. And I acknowledge them that, you know, um, doing this series on the with the framework of the Oscars is always going to be you can only do so much with what's outside of the Oscars because you start with it yeah at the same time I think it it sort of it provides an interesting context to discover the films and I think despite you know, there are some films like Shapitko's that sort of, they are canonized in some way, you know, because she, she ascent, if nothing else, because of its big festival wins. But the Oscars, it's 
sometimes they do shine a light on films that would have been forgotten otherwise. And I think that's also that's also good. We make fun of the 80s and 90s. They picked a lot of films nobody knows about, but it's also fun to to discover them. Yeah. Like uh, I remember something like Dangerous Moves, which mm-hmm. I don't think anyone talks about now. But it's yeah. actually a fine quiet thriller drama drama thriller <laughs> or um the assault you know i didn't love that film but it's it's attempt to be a sweeping take on the effects of war through the psyche of a man, of a young boy at the time and you know even volver empezar who which i thought was boring but for me it was so charming that a film that's so small scale yeah wins and the next year they're going to go for the 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 year sandwiching it are Mephisto and Fanny Alexander big films, and then Volver and Vita, which is like an old guy walking around a city in Spain and just like thinking about life and love. Talking about the Nobel Prize from time to time. Oh yeah, a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of walking. A lot of walking, talking. Oh, a genre I love. Yeah, you know, I, was I miss dating. Thinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like I was, I, I was thinking, uh, at least from our first episode, I'm really glad I saw Son of the Bride because Molly is really good in it, as is the entire cast. And I probably wouldn't have found that film, though I had it on DVD for years. <laughs> it's <laughs> not for the audience. And if not for this project, mm. and which, thank you, you're welcome. And which brings me to another of Fritz's questions: What are the best performances you remember? <laughs> in a Fritz and his questions. He uh, sent a lot of <laughs> uh, Fritz and difficult and... <laughs> ones. He asked. He loved you. Big questions. Yeah, I love you, Fritz. Um. I am Jasmina Dukicic for Kovale Saida. Um, the whole cast of Parasite, Song Kang Ho, Choi Yo Jong, and all of them. Uh, I'm just like trying to skip years. Uh, Sakura Ando in, in Shoplifters, Zayn Al Rafia for Capernaum, uh, Daniela Vega for A Fantastic Woman. Uh, let's see. Um, I want to skip, skip, skip. I want to do other decades. I want to prove I've seen other years. Um, <laughs> oh no, I've seen other years, I promise. <laughs> uh, is it Ulrich Seidel? The lead of uh, The Lives of Others? I think Ulrich Seidel. Um, the lead actress from Water as well. Oh yeah, I love her. I'm so glad yeah. you mentioned her. And then um, she should have been after nominated. Oh yeah. See what this was. Um, I forgot the name of the guy that played Hitler. Kunogans. Um, Kunogans for downfall. <laughs> the Hitler guy. I'm sorry. Have you ever to see inside? I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I forgot. It's fine to be. It's fine to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> it, it happens more often than not. Um, <laughs> 
Michelle Yeoh for and Zhang for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Cecilia Roth for All About Michelle My Mother. Yeoh, you know, Michelle Yeoh, who may be an Oscar nominee at the end of this particular, at, at our season right now. Let's hope. Uh, Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful. Um, Being wrong two, two times in one day is, you know, pushing it. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, by the way, listeners, I, you know, because I've been following this podcast, but I have never listened to that episode. Yeah. Because I know you and your guests love this movie, and I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the limit of our friendship. Okay. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it Leslie Chung from Feral McConcubine? Yes. Then Leslie Chung for Film and Concubine. Um, Fernando Montenegro? Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Fernando Montenegro. Um, you know, if you're going to mention one, one from 98, at least mention the right one. <laughs> two choices. Uh, Gong Li, <laughs> Raise Your Dance and Shut Up. And then, um, what else? Like, you know, I'm trying to, again, the, uh, the whole, uh, oh, no, 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 Carmen Mavra, Women of the Virgin Veneros Breakdown. Uh, the two kids from Oravalazanho. Uh I forgot the name of the actress from Betty Blue. I forgot, I'm sorry. Again, Norma Leandro and his and her and her husband. Beatrice, Beatrice Dice. Yeah, Beatrice Dice. And um who's the lead actor in the official story? The lead actress is Norma Leandro. Actor, actor. Hector Atelios. Hector Atelio, of course. And then um, uh, the two leads, Mew Mew and uh, Isabella Perez and Tranu. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned those. I love uh, them. Yeah. Um, Cosmo Ramanhar for Mephisto. Um, no, not Isabella. No, no. Oops, sorry. And then I mean, uh, you can just you can just say Isabella Perez in a lot of stuff. And no, this would be a right. No, it was was it was as well Like I was thinking of like which Catherine Deneuve performance that I loved. Um, the this... Oscars only liked Indochine, but you know. Yeah, I, she was she was finally used in the last Metro. Um, and then I forgot the name of the hottie. Oh my gosh, there's this one hot actor. From the seventies, just like he, he, he rocked me. Um, okay, but are we talking about performance? <laughs> no, you know that's the lucky thing we're doing this podcast. Like a lot of them are both. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think of the actor, uh, Daniel Obrisky. Daniel Obrisky for everything. Uh, <laughs> Including your dreams. I say that on a promise, probably. And then uh, Giancarlo Giannini for Seven Beauties. For everything he did with Vesmolo. Yeah, Marcella Mastroianni and Isa and Isabel and Sofia Loren for a special day. <laughs> uh, Maybe did you like Valentina Cortese? Oh yeah, I was just getting there. Yeah. Are, are, are you like are you like Ingrid Bergman who says she should have won? I haven't seen Ingrid though, and I don't I don't I, I don't want to discount Ingrid yet. Just yet. Um you can. Just, just no. 
Um, also, I prefer uh, Liv Ullman in The New Land over The Emigrants. Uh, speaking of Liv Ullman, Liv Ullman. Liv Ullman. Incredible. In everything I've seen from her. Really. Yeah. Um, you know, we've it's so cliche to talk about like shame, persona, passion of Anna, like blah, 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 all this great stuff. But I, I would echo what I said in Dangerous Moves. She was there. And I was like, my problem with Dangerous Moves and why she doesn't fit in is that not because she doesn't fit in, she doesn't match the level of the film. The film couldn't match her. <laughs> That's it's too good. It's too good she's so good. It. She's so good in that film. And like, she is this very raw emotional core of something that's just chilly and cool. Like, live. Live. Um, uh, was it Francois Fabian from My Night With Mode? Yeah. Um, I love her. Yeah. And then... Um, Anyone from War and Peace? <laughs> which took up so much of your time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I started watching War and Peace having breakfast. I ended it having dinner. Um, uh, Anuke me. I'm kidding. From a man and a woman. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Asuka Namini right there. Aida Kaminska. It's a very nice perfume commercial. Yeah, Aida Kaminska and the guy from the shop on Main Street. Um, Sophia Loren again and Marcello Mastroianni in Marriage Italian style. Um, the, the you know lead, you yeah. you tend to say them for everything too. Yeah. Um. The lead actress in Woman in the Dunes, um, Nino Casanova from Relative Sherbrooke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, we were talking about performance, not your wet dreams. Oh, Irene Papas for Electra. She's really wonderful in Electra. Um, Hagen Anderson for Tour Glass Darkly. Um, Who else? <laughs> oh, Julieta Massina for Knights of Cabiria and La Strada. Could include that. Yeah. Um, that, last, that last scene. Yeah, that's, that's my life. <laughs> um, okay, the, the, the three leads, uh, especially uh, Machiko Kyo and uh, Toshiro Mufune and Rashomon. Um, the two lead children in Forbidden Games. Um, the two leads from Bicycle Thieves. <laughs> Forgot their names. And um, for this year, 2021, no, I'm good. <laughs> and um, Renata Renzo and Anna Stanja said, my boyfriend. Hi, how are you? <laughs> so you were just mentioning um, Drive My Car, yeah. which, you know, despite there were a lot of fans from the worst person in the world mm-hmm. thinking maybe it could upset. I think it was a fairly easy victory. You know, it was it was a front runner and the best picture nominee, which brings me to the opposite spectrum. Callum Reed asked, "Which year do you think was the closest race for the Oscar?" <clears throat> you know, I kind of struggled with how to define that word because you know there are years where there really was no clear favorite, mm-hmm. and then there are years where there was a clear favorite. And then they didn't win. So how close was it? Um, I could remember things like Departures over Walter Bashir or The Lives of Others over um, Pan's Labyrinth or No One's Son of Ramelee. But just in terms of years that just like didn't have, 
You know, a fantastic woman kind of had a front runner near the end of the award season. Um, Ida wasn't the widest lead. Um, uh, oh, twenty ten. Um, in a better world, won over Dogtooth and Sandy, beautiful and outside the law. I think outside the law and probably over Dogtooth. It was uh, I remember not having a front runner from those three, and um, I predicted beautiful at the time. Um, in a better world, won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, seems like a close race. Yeah, two thousand nine as well. Um, you have a prophet. The White Ribbon, Ajami, The Milk of Sorrow, and then The Secret in Their Eyes won. Uh, I remember The Secret in Their Eyes kind of being a surprise. I think people were kind of predicting a prophet or the White Ribbon. My sister would have certainly liked if she had lost. A Secret in Their Eyes? Yeah. Oh, she didn't like it. You know why? Why? Because she was a nine-year-old forced to watch The Secret in Their Eyes. Why did they do that to her? <laughs> because it was my birthday and I chose what film we were going to watch. And the secret in their eyes had just opened. So she was a nine-year-old first to watch that. <laughs> oh. I mean, she then made me watch uh, Anna Montana, the movie for her birthday, which I honestly don't know if it was because she wanted to or because she wanted revenge. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> um... 2002, I think the crime of Father Amaro had the buzz at the time, but the word Africa won. Uh, Not hero? Or the man without a past? Or, I mean, see, there's, there you go. Um, I think the crime of Father Amaro had the buzz, but, you know, hero and the man without a past. Also, probably, hero kind of was bungled with its American release because mm-hmm. of dear. Dear, dear, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you know, Pharaoh my concubine was really the front runner all along, and then Bella Puck won, yeah, yeah, that is sad. Also, like, Race the Red Lantern, I think, over a minute, oh, and there's also the Europa Europa factor, which wasn't submitted but was nominated for adapted screenplay, anyway. I wonder if 1990 was close. 99? 1990, because, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac seemed like it could win, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Cyrano de Bergerac. And then it was China's first nomination, which was very controversial because China wanted to withdraw it. And Cyrano de Bergerac just got nominated for eh, five awards? And then Journey of Hope won. I mean, maybe the Academy was feeling like you disrespecting Cyrano like that. <laughs> oh, no. I, I heard some... I know. I know. You just feel cold on it. I know. No, I heard some gossip on that award season. I think I read mm-hmm. Inside Oscar, or Secret of the Academy Awards. It was, there was a tea book <laughs> that I read about um, how that Cyrano de Oshirak was poised to do better that year. But it uh, didn't happen because of, I think, one interview, I guess, that uh, must got mistranslated. Oh. Ooh, T, T, T. I could not say about the other years because the other years, yeah. the earlier years, I guess, 
I think because also our, our conception <laughs> of an Oscar race is something that hasn't always existed with yeah. all these precursors and etc. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's more difficult. Which brings me to a very complicated question that I'm not sure we'll be able to answer. Okay. Okay, so this is where the I'm I'm going to change a little bit. What what are your favorite international feature contenders that won a lot of precursors, but not the Oscar? Oh, Walter Bashir. Hmm. Was it Bashir? What? Yeah, was was it poised as a likely winner? Yeah, it Ooh. in a um. There were a lot of lots of articles saying calling the de departures, the film that cost you your Oscar game, Oscar pool, gamble something, because departures was literally like a surprise. Um, of course the class won at Cannes, but yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was I was rooting for the class, but Walter Bashir was like this big force that even Meryl Streep advocated for it. <laughs> Did like she pronounce the names correctly? <laughs> or, or was it, you know, another of her Golden Globe speeches? Mia. I shouldn't be making fun because anyone listens to my previous guest spots on this podcast, I mispronounce everything. Yeah, you did. All right, so but let's... You, you, you make an effort, but you make an effort, you know. I, I, I have no excuse. <laughs> I am doing a podcast, citing names of people from all over the world. I have no excuse to, like, um, Roberto Benigni. Like, I can't do that. I, <laughs> and I studied Italian a bit, so. Oh. Yeah. Why would that be? <laughs> In college. I mean, you were you were thinking ahead. Yeah, but you know, even like um, the Russian names. Yeah. French mm -hmm. names. Yeah. You know, this brings me to another thing. You know, sometimes the country doesn't select what we would consider the right movie. What are some examples that you can think of that? Oh, if they had selected another one, they might have won or something like that. You, you know, living in the Philippines has taught you that your country never really submits the right film. Um, <laughs> do you know who you're talking to about that? Oh, to our listeners, like, quick, quick, quick trivia. The Philippines has been like the longest submitting country that is still not submitted, still not nominated. And Portugal has the most submissions, but still not nominated. Um, we have, losers. We have, yeah, we have we have argued before who is going to be the first one to Portugal. be nominated. I think the Philippines. Portugal, because you're European. Sure, that is a big advantage, but also we keep selecting art films, which, <laughs> I'm, which on the one hand, I'm super happy because I love a lot of our selections. Because you're you. On the other hand, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> We are never going to nominate this. What are we doing? <laughs> um, you know, I'm just gonna get started and probably say that uh, if my country submitted on the job in 2013, I love on the job, which is a crime drama, crime thriller. 
and which recently uh, got a sequel. Yeah, which won Venice Best Actor. Yeah, Venice Best Actor at Venice, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> it won the Volpe Cup. Yeah, and then um, Transit, which is a wonderful uh, immigration drama set in Israel, but um, like that, you know. On the job would have gotten us probably closer, probably. Um, 2016 was a good problem because we had Marosa and also the woman who left, who won Golden Lion at Venice. Um, and it's really good. Yeah. I would have preferred um, the woman who left, but Marosa also makes sense. Um, countries that questionably submitted. For sure, there were those that I discussed in this podcast. <laughs> Spain, a lot. Spain, a lot. Which, which on the one hand, I can understand it would be unfair to submit Almodovar every time. But at the same time, it would be the best strategic decision. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember which films I was really... Because they would have yeah. won in 2002. Let's yeah. Say that. I'm trying to remember the years when, like, why did they submit that you know this is an interesting thing i said i we were able to discuss this in a bonus episode on name is habla you know for us not a, not in france we were like why did they not submit part of the valadian fire it's more acclaimed it's more like that blah 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 in france it was a no-brainer to submit name is habla yeah yeah mm-hmm. so that is, that is it's also important to consider those i mean um, and it was and it was nominated so it's not like it was a bad decision yeah, because no, because nothing was going to be parasite. So nothing, nothing. Um, I'm trying to remember really, but nothing's jumping out of me right now. I didn't check my notes, but like like it's, I could just like live by example. <laughs> my country is bad at submitting films. Like I think Parallel Mothers this year to go back to Spain would probably have have been nominated. Yeah, considering it got two other nominations. Yeah. Um, oh, I remember 2009, we just submitted an awful film called Grandpa is Dead. They submitted it over Khan winning Best Director, or whatever, The Execution of P. That was stupid. That was stupid. I think the worst Portuguese decision mm-hmm. was probably not submitting Mysteries of Lisbon, instead, sending a documentary. What now? Remind me. No, it was um, Jose, Jose Pilar about Jose Saramago. Oh, Jose Pilar. Yeah, I saw it in the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, your country is submitting some interesting stuff, but... I mean, I'm like, okay, good for, you know, we're brave sending a <laughs> documentary. Like, shouldn't we have submitted the one that got some notices internationally? <laughs> Oh, 2010, Italy submitted the most beautiful thing. They had I Am Love. Or 2009. Yeah, they were the choices. Another Portuguese one, and this one I will never forgive, was when we didn't submit Taboo. Mm-hmm, 2012? Yes. I think, I don't think we would be nominated. But I think we would have made the finalists, mm-hmm. if nothing else, because of the of the committee saves. Mm-hmm. 
and that film Taboo was released in the United States. Instead, we send a film that never got released outside of Portugal. What's the title? Which Sang do meu sangue, Blood of My Blood. Oh. And like <laughs> it, 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 it <laughs> I mean it's not bad it's a sort of social realist melodrama I think you know for a Portuguese audience it seems perhaps like the most logical one because it features a lot of you know Portuguese cinema stars stars whatever but you know very acclaimed actors and get amazing performances in that film but like it was such a mistake it was mm. so stupid <clears throat> anyway I will never stop complaining about that. Yeah. Um, I want to remember 1998. Um, I haven't seen the submission, but um, that in the navel of the sea. But we had Jose Rizal, which is this big epic about the national hero, which grossed 100 millions of pesos and won every award it could have won. From the same director. Just didn't make sense. Yeah. Have you already found oh. Cabaret? Uh, I did. I did actually. <laughs> By the way, it's a it's a submission from 2001, and when we did the 2001 episode, he wasn't able to find it there. But now you did, yay! Yeah, I've been sort of since we sort of did that episode. I've been trying to find most of Portugal's um, submissions. I have a lot of old DVDs piled mm. up watch how did you find come ahead oh i don't remember i think i think i have, I have it on dvd now i think is, i bought a used one does it have a subtitles no no uh, then you have to make subtitles for me anyways so no, no. yeah no for sure france and italy and uh yeah, spain um made lots of bad calls as well <laughs> for sure i mean it, italy didn't Italy can make bad calls. They're the biggest winners in this in this particular Oscar I mean. category. Which, you know, um, this is not about numbers. It's more about quality because Ronaldo Souza asked, what countries would you say have the best track record in this category? Not in terms of success, but in the quality of their submissions overall. Quality of submissions? Yeah, the quality of the films. Ah, uh, nominees. Not necessarily nominees or winners, or the number of times they got in, but just where's the best track record in terms of sending great cinema? Um, are you going to say Portugal? <laughs> no, no, I'm not yet well versed, and so I would say not yet. Um. You know, I never really thought of doing it per country. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is awful. I wouldn't be able to answer that. But, you know, frankly, most of the Argentinian, most, yeah. how many Argentinians were nominated here? Um, wild, <laughs> <laughs> the official story, Wild Tales, Secret in Their Eyes. Great stuff. Um, and it's really tough to answer that because I'm coming off. I'm. I'm. My starting point is 2010s, where they really started not repeating a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. 
Ihran. Oh yeah, Iran. Ihran. Mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, I've seen Children of Heaven. I've seen the submission the following year. I've seen a separation, the past, the salesman. Great stuff. Have you seen, have you, have you seen Karastami? Not, not submitted. Like, is they submitted him through, through the, the olive, olive leaves. Tree. Olive tree. Olive tree. I I I um I wasn't in a great condition. Yeah. When I yeah. I'm 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 really looking at it. Yeah, they they are amazing. You have. Kerastami, Panahi, Makmalbaf. Oh, when this love Panahi. Ooh, issue. You know, once upon a time. Oh. But yeah. And they love Majid. Majidi, you know. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Just keep sending it over and over again. Uh, but you know, it, it makes sense. He's a good director. I also don't mind a lot of the nominees that came out of Israel. Not to get political. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. But yeah, a lot of great submissions from, uh, ended up as nominees from Israel. I haven't uh, watched a lot. So. None? I don't know. Uh, Walsud Bashir, Ajami. I watched Walsud Bashir, and maybe that's it. Oh, I watched Seal the Void too, and Get. Get. Get was great. And Foxtrot. I haven't seen Foxtrot yet. Um, oh, but I think nothing else. Oh, I really must watch more. Oh, Late Marriage. Late Marriage, when they should have been nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, and not to be an a-hole to do this, but I'm also very interested in the submissions from Palestine. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really, really good stuff as well. Um, I mean, going back to what you said, you know, uh, oppression and suffering, unfortunately, brings about good art. So that is a horrible thing to say, but it, sometimes it's true. Are we expecting some of the best submissions ever from the Philippines in the next six years? <laughs> you go, Philippines. <laughs> oh no, this is a horrible joke. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> And Portugal, we will never know because we only started submitting in the 1980s after, after our fascist dictatorship. Yeah, oh no. So um, we'll never know. Well, we'll never know Oscar-wise because actually in that case, no. I don't like a lot of Portuguese cinema from the dictatorship years. Oh, so no. some of our best films ever are from the dictatorship years. I mean, here in, here in Portugal, it's, it's more like there was so little cinema outside of state-sponsored stuff that you're left with a lot of propaganda and little else. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I could say Japan probably has some great, good, yeah, good, great stuff. A, yeah, sort of. When that I read that question, I thought Japan because you know they really submitted a lot of amazing stuff, especially early on. I mean. I remember 2013 when they it was like like father was like son was their big option and they chose the great passage. So I'm not always sure strategy wise if they always do great stuff in submitting, but the films that I've seen from Japan are yeah. I'm thinking like the beginning, like look at the first years. 
Kurosawa, Kinugasa, Inagaki, Ichikawa, Naruse, Kinochita, Ozu. It's it's incredible. Tashidahara, yeah. Kobayashi, never Mizoguchi. Well, but then Mizoguchi died <laughs> before it started doing real submissions. Oh no. But, yeah. <laughs> That's why. Um, I think I'm I'm on that. No, those countries that I mentioned, like Israel, Palestine, Japan, Iran. I th- I think Iran was a really good call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say that um all of those countries are Asian films, are Asian countries, but you know, keep ignoring our Asian. cinema. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Back> off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It can all be about Italy and France Academy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think, I don't know, I, I think we sort of the, the more Oscar-y film specific questions, we sort of went Sticking through that. Out. I think maybe we can go into the more sentimental part of this conversation more podcast specific try to make me cry <laughs> well i can try to make you laugh first because fritz asked why was i the best guest and obviously knew i was going to be asking that because why was i the best guest on carlos <laughs> listen um <laughs> you didn't laugh you just made a face of utter disdain <laughs> no it's not disdain it's more like i'm glad that you guys feel that way because if you think whether jokingly or not that you were a wonderful guest it's um it, it's kind of like a it's a reflection of how i kind of handled and made a conversation happen um so thank you if you think you're the best guest i mean it's subject it's subjective and i don't ever want to think of one best guest um because because you know because you know it's me and you don't want to offend the others. <laughs> no, no, because um, because, because everyone brings something different to the table. Mm-hmm. And um, you even yeah. you even had you know an academy member. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> Hi. And, and you know you have filmmakers, academics, that film critics, film students. It's really it's really an incredible variety of opinions. And I have to say one thing that I love is that you, I don't know if you did this on purpose. But you really try to to have a lot of international perspective. It's not just Filipinos and Americans. It's a lot of different parts of the world. I think you, yeah, I think you have you have a lot of the globe has been except Africa, I uh, re- yeah, and Antarctica. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> but, scientists are, they're not watching films. Yeah. Um, yeah, I re- but, yeah. yeah, I regret not being able to talk to anyone from Africa, but um, I do have a map where, like, oh, really? Like, I, I need, I need to have guests from this continent. I need to have here. I need to have here. Yeah, the sad truth is also that you know, it's 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 kind of sad to have African guests when Africa is so horribly underrepresented at the Oscars. Yeah, there's also that. So, um, and like. And it's unexcusable because for fuck's sake, like Senegalese cinema is so fucking rich. It's amazing. And the Oscars just 
doesn't care. You know, here's the thing. Yeah, I I agree with the, with the submissions that I've seen. Like even the ones from '89. I forgot which film was the, the dialogue yeah. of that film. Um, but also a lot of these, a lot of African countries are only submitting recently, so mm-hmm. their earlier classics don't get submitted. Yeah. For example, I've only seen Tokibuki because of this podcast. I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So like, um. So that's a, that's a regret as well, and um, but yeah, yeah, but we, I mean that's yeah. also, I suppose that's also a reflection of sort of the the American market yeah. and sort of what the Oscars came to represent because like you're not going to submit if you think you have no chance. Yeah, and like the Academy has the country has to form like a selection committee, and then yeah. the Academy would recognize it. Like for sure, there are countries that don't have creating committees for the Oscars like a priority in their um, for their countries like they have a lot of things to deal with um, but you know in my case yeah um, I it always excites me like oh my gosh this is a new country there's a guest from here this country like I haven't been on the show like I always wanted that and sometimes mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to have that. I don't know. There, there's no strictly no. I, I wanted to have as many countries as I can. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't really like a master plan. Like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> like, it wasn't really. Like, it's more like who's, who was opening themselves up and themselves up for a conversation. Like, yeah. okay, that was nice. Because, you know, I, I'm just mentioning this because sometimes I notice, especially in Oscar related podcasts, like, a lot of Americans. Sometimes yeah. I wish there was a different perspective. Yeah, and I was also also aware that you cannot just do world cinema and just have Americans there. Um, That's because, not to say we don't love we don't love you Americans. Keep I, listening. I, I, <laughs> don't I, don't. I, I, I love some Americans. I love I love <laughs> oh, no. I love my American friends. I love my American listeners. Thank you for supporting. You compose like a majority of the listeners I cannot believe it I, I, I could not believe it um, but you know it, it just feels like an imbalance if I would just focus more on American audiences and also organically I'm not American and like it, it would feel like I'm trying to force myself into like an American group of people <laughs> if I would just like, get them so I would take who's opening themselves up so, I mean that doesn't sound like the most um adventurous plan in a podcast like get who's there but I realized as the time went on that it's not always about it's not always about uh who you get but more like who's willing to talk to you and commit to watching minimum five films and sit with you and discuss it yeah and it's open to conversation too yeah. you know yeah I think you both from talking to you as a guest and listening to other episodes yeah you know, when it's really like a yeah. conversation of both people that love cinema yeah it's, it's really fun and and you know like experiencing cinema through other people's eyes except 1998 which i will never listen to yeah i mean like like that for example my guest was from united kingdom mm-hmm. he loved it I loved it. You didn't. Um, my guest for Roma was 
German American. He loved Roma. I loved Roma. My other Mexican guests didn't love Roma. So a lot of interesting things that I pick up as I, as I go along. So I, I I love the experience of like getting to know someone like for the first time. I'm like you're the first person from that country that I'm talking to. How are you doing? Fucked up my body clock though, but um, I love <laughs> doing it. I love doing it really. Um, Matthew Anderson. Oh, Matthew. <laughs> the suddenly I thought, oh, you have a, a, a an award-winning makeup artist asking questions, but no, it's not written that way. <laughs> Matthew Anderson asked. This is a that was a comment for people who like follow drag race and drag and makeup, etc. Matthew Anderson asked, "What are some of your favorite episodes?" I know it's like picking, you know, which no, 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 not which. Which child you like more? Mm. But there's always one you like more than yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. I. <laughs> that's the truth of a parenthood. Wow, parenthood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Like I know our last episode from Gates of Hell is not anyone's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> chaos. Um, chaos. I tell you. Okay. Favorite because of different reasons. Um. I'm going to try to do one or two per season. Um, first season, I think my favorite. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm not going to do Paris. I was so nervous when I did it with you. I was shaking. And as you can hear my voice, I was shaking. My favorite. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't have to be like like you're saying you like this person better than the other. Just the experience. Of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. Random thoughts. And this is not, again, to compare guests, really. It's like... Um... <laughs> For example, Roma, I did with Luca Giliberti. Um, I forgot that we were recording an episode. Um, we were just chatting about Roma. And then, um, who else? Uh, Ida with Madame Juliana because she was a, she, she's a cinephile. We went to high school together. And we were casually talking about films like Inception and liking Leonardo DiCaprio. But now we're talking about like, Oh, we're talking about Ida. <laughs> so it was a different experience. Um, the Great Beauty, because I recorded it at 4 a.m. So I was half asleep to read an episode and I said some regrettable phrases there. <laughs> I love Brandon <laughs> Sandwick, though. I love him. He's so game. Um, I thought you were going to say so gay. That too. Um, <laughs> uh Amour, among with, us, am, yeah. among us, that is the highest form of a compliment. Yeah, um, Amor with Fritz from Fritz and the Oscars because I've been reading his work for a decade, yeah. and yeah, now I get real. to talk to him like oh, a bit of starstruck. Yeah, yeah. Um, two thousand. 2005, Callum Reed because he's just so chill. And he watched all the films. Like, thank you. Um, 2004, Cody Derricks, because he watched more films than I did. And I was so, I was so ashamed of myself. Like, oh, you did your homework and I did it. I'm sorry. You know, but it was, he was just, he, he watched more films than I did. And it's, it inspired me to do better. Um, <laughs> and then he became crazy and watched over 90 films to be a guest on another podcast. <laughs> never again never again um 
the experience of watching 90 films. <laughs> um, 2002 uh, Carla Manalo because she wasn't my first choice from that for the guest thing. She knows it. But it was a tumultuous process of like I want you to start watching films now even though you're not sure you're going to be on the show yet. It was the first time that I was so um in the nick of time. But it was a lovely conversation that we had. I recorded Tuesday night, release of this Friday night. <laughs> um, of course, like yours, because like you're, you're, you're the first guest that like really overdid it. It's like, oh gosh, he's really doing. You want to take over as a host? And then um, <laughs> no, I could never do that. <laughs> also, Nick Davis did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like I spent the first ten minutes, like I love you and your work for ten minutes. And it was just yeah. genuinely coming from the heart, not scripted at all. And we talked about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon for two hours. And um, yeah. that so, episode is great. I love it. Thank you. And he was so generous to even watch the Filipino submission from that year. Um, what else? I'm not skipping guests. I'm not skipping episodes because I don't like the others. Uh, oh, Belle Epoque. With Christine Daisy de la Paz because I didn't, you know, she was a friend from film school. I didn't know she was that fired up in film discussions. And that was just like, I told her after recording, I'm gonna have you again <laughs> on the episode, on the this show. Um. Uh. Oh, Journey of Hope with Cheta Giamon because the film is about a family crossing a mountain. To get to Switzerland, his father did that. Her father did that, and I didn't know. So it was this like connection with her in the film and me with her, like, oh my gosh! And his father did the same thing, like crossing thing. You know, he's a citizen. He he's legal now, so don't worry. I'm not jeopardizing anyone. Um. Nathaniel, of course, because that was the first time like I'm having him like, hi, sir. <laughs> hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I am I'm a contributing writer for his website. And like, like, hi, welcome to my turf. <laughs> hi here. Um Ronaldo Sosa, because like you, he really overdid it. Watched 30 films. Like, what are we doing here? Um The Assault uh with Rafi Ramundo because I invited him on the show on Saturday and we recorded on Tuesday. Wow. He marathoned five films. Um, the official story with Walter Holman because again, again, one of the people I've been reading up for years and like, hi. And then uh, <laughs> a dangerous move with Stefano Laverne because It's the inverse of being delaying so much. You know, I've had those times where like the guest had to move, so my 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 window for editing gets uh, narrower. He was like, "Oh, we're, we're hi, we're recording next week. Oh, can we do it tomorrow? What?" So I had to marathon six films within 24 hours to prepare for the episode. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> Luckily, the films were short. The longest was one hour forty, so it was easy. Um, I started the eighties. Yeah, so. <laughs> I started watching at twelve noon. We were recording at twelve midnight. Um, 
volver a empezar. By the way, it's yours because I you you opened up in a different way that I didn't have. We, we didn't have in No Man's Land because No Man's Land was like hi, hi hello. But your or episode on Fan Alexander felt like something like, oh, this is like a very personal conversation we're having. Are you sure? I mean, it, 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 <laughs> this was the first one we did really as friends. Yeah. So that's not, you know. I was like, I'm going to have him again. And then, um, Volvera and Pizar, because I forgot to tell the guest which film was the winner. Yeah. <laughs> so she just watched the films. I'm like, which one is the winner? And then I specifically didn't tell her when we were recording now so that I could get her reaction. I'm like, oh, that's a film. Um, <laughs> that is the accurate reaction. That is the right one. To she, was, she was just like, this one. What? Yeah, she was surprised. <laughs> And then uh, again, she was the replacement there. So she was like, next time, can you have me, but really have me, not as a replacement? Like, yeah, I, I, I'll take care of you. I gave her Tana. Um, um, before I go to the 70s, I remember 1997, character with Ronaldo Trancoso Jr. Because we talked for two hours, 45 minutes. 45 minutes was for character. We have nothing to talk about character. So we just talked about the rest of the films from that year. So it was a great year for world cinema, but bland winner. Bland winner. really coming for character yeah <laughs> that's for film um sorry steven thought i'm um the tindrum is about sandova because that was an interesting thing she wanted to she she uh, we did it um but it was after a month of taking a break and of course i was very nervous i am a huge fan of lingua franca and apparition her previous works and um I felt it. I was rusty when I was doing it. I think it was in the 30-minute mark. I felt it. But, you know, you're there. So just have to continue doing it. And um, it's one of the things of doing the podcast. Some, sometimes you have just have to recognize, like, yeah, I'm not in my A game right now, but I just have to try to bring it anyways. Mm-hmm. Because you, ha- you have, I, yeah. I think I think that's a very good episode. Maybe I just, I'm just saying because I love her, but yeah. you know. Thank you. Um, yeah, maybe because because I was the one like I'm rusty. Um, black and white in color with Tom O'Brien because Tom O'Brien it was 1976. He was alive in 1976, and he was following the Oscar season that time. So he had stories of Cousin Cousine being a big art house hit. And he saw the lines of people in the queue. God knows why. It Sorry. Was, <laughs> the episode tells you why. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's that. Um, Day for Night with Matthew Lucas because we had a technical issue in that one. Um, like the midsection, which is like 30 minutes, didn't record. So we had, and but I recorded my side. So it had to trace back our thoughts and then re-record again. It was, it was, um, it was, a, it was an interesting experience, you know, trying to talk about, trying to talk about the film, knowing already, which is going to give me the points. Just try to reconstruct what happened. But of course, You don't want it to be just a reconstruction. So you're trying to hit the same bullet points 
but you're inserting some new stuff as well because you don't want to be acting. You don't want to act like, oh, wow, that's so funny. <laughs> and you already heard that joke. No. So instead, you kind of reconfigure what this, you reconfigure the minutia of the, of the, the words, but you just have to hit the same bullet points because the train of thought was wonderful. It was just like a technical issue. Um, what else? Zed with Dan Bayer, because I've seen 18 of the 24 submissions. So that gave me like 75% of the submissions. I think I have qualified to choose the nominees. Um, also great year. And then, um, oh, funny. War and Peace with Matthew Anderson, because um, right from the first season, I told him, Matt, you're going to do War and Peace. Because I'm not sure anyone would be up for it. <laughs> because I had no foresight of like what the podcast yeah. would be. Mm. And suddenly... For those who don't know, War and Peace is seven hours long. Yeah, seven hours, 11. And um, by this... That was during the first season. I already told him, like, you're going to be on War and Peace, okay? And then fast forward to season six... I had to say no to certain people that they wanted to do war and peace. So that was a great conversation because um, Matt was admittedly not that, you know, not seeing any of those films. So he forced himself to watch five plus shame. <laughs> um, so that's good. And then, oh, closely watch trains again with Brandon Standard because I had COVID at the time. Um, I think I love that episode because of the behind the scenes thing. Um, I we were supposed to record on a Sunday night, but um, Sunday morning was when I found out our whole family was positive, and I had to make calls and I had to run errands without going outside of the house, and um, so I was trying to marathon the films, and I was already coughing hard. So we kept on moving and moving. Can we do 10 p.m.? Can we do 11 p.m.? Can we do 12 minutes? He was like, are you okay? I said, like, I'm sorry, but, you know, there's some things happening. Like, we can move the following day. You know, I for some reason, it's a holiday in the United States the following day. We could definitely move tomorrow. Like, thank you so much. You're a lifesaver. Um, so I was just, just touched by that. And that even though I was struggling, I was editing out coughs under <laughs> uh, that episode. Um it was a beautiful episode, I think. Um, also, the episode with the portrait of Chieko. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I have heard so much about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but where is it? <laughs> um, Alan Newman with uh, a man and a woman because we were in sync and just like we didn't get a man and a woman. <laughs> but also, like we just saw the films from that year again. Watched those films while I was lying in bed again covid and then uh let's see oh 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 of course um uh i had my film professor and um the moment we started talking it was if i was I was transported back to 2013 in my film classroom, talking to my favorite professor in film and who did a paper on Rashomon, a 60 plus 
page paper in Rashomon. So having him on Rashomon episode was a no-brainer. And then that was, I think, that was the episode when I felt the best because I knew I was asking the right questions and the and the guest was liking the questions and it, we got just deeper and deeper and deeper in the conversation because sometimes you know I ask questions like why did he ask that um you know um because I only have bullet points for notes but it's really I go off script um but the Rashomon episode was like, I knew I was asking the right questions and he was giving me so much and it was just like the perfect dance between guest and host I could not believe it. It felt like we were scripted. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, I think those are the things that I remember. It's like, like you know, the, the things that uh, stick out. But, you know, again, each episode is a story. Um, and um, some of them I'll talk about off the record. <laughs> a lot of things said off the record, but recorded in Zoom. So it stays on the record. <laughs> I love it. I love, these are honestly, there are moments when I was doing the podcast not for the films anymore, but for the guests that I'm talking to. From the perspective of one of your guests, um, I I have to say, this has been really a rewarding experience, mm-hmm. and you know. On, as a cinephile, it's fun to talk about cinema, and it's fun to discover a lot of films. You know, you you're given a project, so you have an excuse to invest your time. But just talking to you is amazing, and it's Thank been you. amazing. Thank you. And you didn't mention it, but I remember the 1961 uh, episode that we did. Yeah, I was really interested in talking to you about that film because. Why a religious person? I'm not. I'm an atheist, mm-hmm. and it was so. It somehow felt like we were, um, you know, understand coming to a common understanding of the film mm-hmm. while we talked, mm-hmm. and it was that was very rewarding. Yeah, and it is also amazing to sometimes listen to that happening mm-hmm. with with other people, um, thinking like. Um, when you had Nick Taylor talking about bicycle thieves, oh, and and it's sort of it's kind of interesting because you weren't very familiar, I think, with Italian neorealism before you started this project, and I know he wasn't very familiar with it uh, until a few years ago. So again, it was like listening to people sort of coming to a mm-hmm. having a conversation, coming to a common understanding on this amazing thing is it's just great. Yeah. Being a guest and being a listener has been such a, a fulfilling experience. Yeah. And I also remember 1978, Get Out Your Handkerchiefs, again with Christian Daisy de la Paz. Um, I didn't like the film because I thought it was very misogynistic. Yeah. She loved it because she thought the misogyny was part of the joke. So I'm like, where? And she was like, I'm not, I'm surprised that you don't like it more. Like, why do you think I'm going to do So I, I love that we were, we were kind of, I was like, why did you like it? And she was like, why didn't you like it? So I love that um, 
that surprise because sometimes you feel like oh this guest is gonna like this i'm like oh she did not and then the other like oh i want to have you on this episode because i think you're gonna ask them great questions like oh no you loved it so i i love being surprised as well by the dynamic and um um you know to be honest uh i with my experience on listening to other podcasts i know that um of course you know it's great if you know the film that we're going to be talking about but i for a fact know that i listen to podcasts not always because i've seen the film they're talking about but because mm-hmm. of how the conversation was being carried and um i do know that world cinema kind of understandably but also unfairly it's kind of seen as highbrow or something inaccessible so it was my intention to really try to be as conversational and casual as possible to not intimidate anyone to welcome anyone that you know just like two gay guys talking about hot men in you know this categorical foreign language film in 1960s that happens or like how i was certainly certainly opening up about depression for a film called hungarians from hungary in 1970 like yeah you know it's an obscure film with no clear copy or uh anywhere but we could talk about it like conversation the same way you guys can talk about inception or the avengers with zest and gusto i could talk about films with fun and enthusiasm with films that you know you might not know you might think it's too dead serious like no we're having fun of course when the film is about a holocaust you cannot really like ooh fun but you know it's always I want to normalize talking about these things as just having normal conversations. So that's why sometimes I just like have kind of lift myself up a bit in terms of my spirits. I mean, you know, at, at this point, I think I could say that I'm not always in a good emotional state when I'm doing this podcast. But, you know, I try my best to like keep it light and keep it conversational because I don't want y'all to be scared about reading subtitles, y'all. You are continuing... Bong Joon Ho's mission. Oh yeah, hi Bong. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, Ronaldo Trancoso Jr. asked, uh, "What have you learned from this experience?" I think it's a good segue from what you were talking about. Have you learned anything? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Waste of time watching films. No. Um, As someone who watches the films, I learned that uh, the Oscars could be great as a jumping off point. It should not be or the end of it all in terms of like what's great in cinema. Um, so it's wise to use like, oh, these were, that's why I kind of framed it. Are these were the films that, that won? These are the films that were submitted, uh, that, that were nominated. These are the films that were submitted but not nominated. These are the films that were not submitted. To use it as a jumping off point is like the best option as opposed to like, you know, getting so stuck up with the five. Ironically, I was stuck up with the five. <laughs> but, you know, there is that. And also just not enough time in life to watch all the great films from all over the world. So that I learned, like, 
I tried to do 1969 with 18 films and I still could not get to many of the films there. What more, you know, if I do it, there's it, it's not enough time. And like, it's, it's just like encourage people to, to trade, you know, chart their own paths because, you know, I, for example, I want to hear a podcast exclusively about African cinema talked about in the most conversational way and not take these films as from like um, exoticized artifacts but just like cinema just like any other kind of cinema um so there's that and also like it's so great to feel when there's a culture that you think is so alien to you so so like there's no connection and then you find some connection somewhere it's a great feeling like you know um Oh, cinema could, is the great cinema is a great empathy machine. Yeah, just as I said. Well, <laughs> no, Roger, you were dead. <laughs> and then, um, but you you were saying it in other words. Yeah, and then also in doing also the submissions. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like, come on! Like, I mean, it's starting to get more common now in at least in film circles trying to watch as many submissions as possible which is available you know but oh my gosh the the talent all over the world it's unbelievable it's not stuck in italy germany france okay and in in japan (laughs) and in denmark and you know um i reminded 1969 i saw this film from peru called the green wall bad copy but the, the 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 storytelling is thrilling, and as it turns out, it was eligible in 1972, and Roger Ebert put it in the top five of 1972. Unbelievable! I would not have thought like a film from Peru would, <gasps> would have a reaction from me, and that the filmmaking, the cinematic energy of that film is like off the charts. I wouldn't know like a film from Peru would connect with me. In terms of as a host, now. What I learned is that no one's the same person. Every different guest would bring a different kind of thing. Um, I invited guests who I know love cinema. Some of the guests are more comfortable in speaking than the others. But that's just how film conversations go. Sometimes film, some people are more... Um, eloquent in writing out their stuff their lo- expressing their love for film through writing or expressing their love for film through speaking or expressing their love through making films whatever it is i love talking to people who love them and uh it's a gratifying experience when you feel like oh you know this person from x country is suddenly connected to me oh that's that's fun. That's interesting. I would never have thought I would know someone from this country. And then I was like, oh, now we're here for two hours and talking about film and slowly opening up about the most personal stuff. It's a beautiful experience. As a guest and listener, one thing this project sort of taught me um, was that for all that people grumble about 
film Twitter and you know the it's it's the big monster that everybody always uses a straw man. It's really it's really beautiful to find a community that sort of shares your interests and it can seem very superficial and mean some days, but then you realize this sort of internet community that has brought us brought people together from all over the world and you realize there are real friendships to be found there there's there are really incredible conversations and new perspectives and if it weren't all these things you know the, the podcast the film experience film twitter and i would have never met you and i think my mm -hmm. life would be really poor if, if it if you weren't part of it and I, I i'm sure i'm not the only person even someone who, who whenever talk to you directly you just you know listen to the podcast even if there's just one i think i think you should be proud of your work hmm. sometimes I, i i think if just one person reads something i wrote and decides to discover a film just one i just need one And I've I've made some difference. I have I've done something worthwhile. Honestly, listening to your podcast, you've done such an amazing thing. Thank you so much. Oh, mm. oh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I mean, um, never intended. I, I when I started a podcast, I started it right after Paris. I won. I really wanted to make a podcast, and uh, but I wasn't sure if it was a good thing, and if anyone would be interested even. Um, I thought, who am I to start a podcast? Like, no one knows me. And uh, who would care? But probably with Parasite winning, some people would start caring. So that's how it started. Um, but I'm really actually kind of surprised with how You know, sometimes people would just message me and say, I want to be on your show. Like, okay. And then other people would just be people that you look up to. People would just like read your writings. And like, oh, he's, this person is so American. I don't know if he would be game to do this thing. And then he would be. And sometimes like um, a person who I know in my real life, who I haven't spoken to in years because of the pandemic, it's like, I want to catch up with this person and then but this is going to be the first time we're going to be speaking in English <laughs> like okay but everyone will just be talking and is interested in the stuff they've done like no one's ever coerced to, just, to be at a guest in this one luckily I didn't have to get there but you know what fascinates me is that you know I have the stats on like who listens to the podcast and um, it's I am floored And for example, I'm looking at the, in terms of the countries that are listening here. There are listeners in Morocco, Malaysia, Nicaragua, Lithuania, Senegal, Uruguay, Jordan, Estonia, Iceland, Myanmar, Greece, Lebanon, Serbia, Hungary, Romania, Croatia, Thailand, Mauritius, United Arab Emirates, Algeria, Slovenia, Slovakia, Afghanistan, Costa Rica, and many, many more. In almost all of those countries, I don't know anyone. Why would they bother listening to this rando talking about 
character. <laughs> and <laughs> oh my god, stop! <laughs> character has suffered enough and, already. But you know, like some of these films, no one like I'm, I'm trying to read online. Like, kind of character character has little number of reviews available online. Its Wikipedia page is just heading list of cast awards footnote there's no history and my only way of like um maybe if people would start caring about because you know what the, the momentum of parasitic maybe would they would start caring about this category more and uh maybe um they're at least you know especially in some of the films that um are less well known less known like Maybe there's an oral history that could be made. Like, oh, you know, someone tried to watch all of these and uh, and uh, say something because, you know, it's so easy to find what people think about Inception or The Dark, the Dark Knight. But what people, what do people think of Over and Beta or Dangerous Moves? And I joked about it in the Over and Beta episode. Like, we are already in the Guinness World Book of Records, like the longest discussion about Over and Beta, two hours 30. But you know, uh, I don't know. I'm still surprised that people cared. I am humbled that people cared, and still do because the the views the the, the downloads are still rolling in. Well, this sort of brings me to. Our last listener question, and sort of an obligatory one, I would suppose. It's from Fritz again. Fritz! Uh, Fritz! <laughs> it's, will you do a new podcast after this one? You know, it's stupid to say no because um, my heart says no, but it's stupid to say no because, you know, you do things that you, you thought you'll never do, but you did like um like i never planned on doing a podcast like the only reason i did a podcast is because i listened to other podcasts and i started seeing myself talking back to the guests and the, and the host i was like trying try to insert myself in the conversation like what if i do that um i never thought of myself as i never thought i would spend money on a microphone <laughs> never thought of myself that way i never thought i would um really commit to a film project and finish it i always gave myself like these projects like watch all the best picture nominees watch all the best actors nominees, and nothing is ever finished um so it's stupid to say no because you you're not the same person next week or next year. Maybe, you know, you would call me a liar. Like, oh, he started a podcast again. Huh? Fucking asshole. But right now I'm not in this. In, I don't have any plans. Um, if ever I'm good. You know, I've been saying throughout the seventh season that, you know, the, the regular episodes will continue. Uh, the, the bonus episodes will continue and uh, regular episodes are going to end. Um, I'm still thinking about um, if I'm really going to push through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if ever I'm going to do a podcast again, it would be here. Same podcast, 
priorities, world cinema. We have a lot of venues where you could talk about English language films. You know, a lot of podcasts about Oscars, a lot of podcasts about actresses, a lot of podcasts about, I don't care about actors. Um, <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> a lot of podcasts about film in general. Yes. But to have a space on world cinema, I would be good with going back to it. I mean, I've, I've told you before, I kind of have plans already of post this category. Because like I said, I'm, I, I so want to finish this podcast anymore, the, the, the winners, so I could start discussing films outside of this category what's the world cinema i could like, kind of curate my own seasons and maybe one at one season on gongli or one season on isabella fair or one season on, on sophia loren one season on insert name of actress from different country um but all just playing in my head and i think going back to more personal stuff I don't know yet what's ahead of me in 2022. Uh, we just had the most important elections in this country and it didn't pan out the way that we wanted to. So I don't have any plans yet. Will I do a new podcast as of now? No. Will I get back on doing a podcast? I'm not sure. Maybe I would just like, you know, message you suddenly having an itch in the middle of the night. Hey, Claudia, I want to do a season on on gay Brazilian cinema. I don't know. I just want to do it. Um, but as of now, I just want to take a bow first and like, oh, I've done it. And kind of like after graduating from film school, you're, you're unemployed for one month <laughs> and you see where you where things take you next. But you know, um, doing the podcast, um. Took a lot of my time, especially I have a lot of time because of the pandemic. I'm just at home, but you know, I I worked less, and uh, I watched less films that I just wanted to watch just because. I'm always watching films because I have to rank it as a nominee. I I miss watching films just because I want them to. So, um, would I do a new podcast? Maybe not for now, but we'll see if the offers are coming in. <laughs> if, you know, co-host, it depends on the topic, but me starting again, I kind of went all, I mean, no. If I said I would be doing all in with this podcast, I would be watching more. But in terms of like how I produce this podcast, like, you know, editing it, posters, trailers, <laughs> like, nah, I'm going to take a break for now. But, you know, I'll be blabbering about men and film. And men. <laughs> and film. And men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that the final question? It is the final question. There are no more questions. How about you? Do you have any questions for me? Right now, for the public. <laughs> ask it. Ask it. No, I think I think we're good. I oh, think. we're we're good. Oh no. It's the end. It's uh-huh. the end. It's the end. Yeah, it is. And um maybe, maybe I'll do an appeal. 
people there are a lot of bonus episodes on patreon right now yes please oh my gosh you being a patron being 50 percent of the patron population thank you so much <laughs> come on people join join the community be part yeah. of it with me and uh please help me stay inspired to doing bonus episodes because i love doing those as well because they are more um low-key but also get to focus on one film i love it instead of trying to do 20 <laughs> like five to 20 films um i remember one person asked me like are you feeling sad that this is coming to an end like are you kidding no i want to i want to wake up not feeling that i had to watch three films today I just want to be in bed the whole day, but you know, I. But thank you. I mean, thank you so much to anyone who who cares because I, I never thought anyone would. And um, I remember first season one, me who was so scared of messaging people and having panic attacks on. Oh no, no one's wanted to guess on this episode. Oh my gosh! But now I'm just a casual like, you want to be in it? <laughs> like I have grown. Man, like now I can talk to strangers casually, and I could, I could come up to people, gather strength. Like, hi, how are you doing? Hi, and I was able to use that during a campaign when flirting. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) this podcast has taught me so much life skills, and um, as someone who has some unfulfilled film school dreams right now, which is going to be taking a lot more break than that. Um, to produce film stuff on a weekly basis kind of filled the gap for creative hunger, I guess. But, you know, it's a lot of work. And uh, I intentionally did it. Um, the, the two posters per film, the trailer, because I, I feel like I have to introduce a film because no one cares about character. Um, for fuck's sake. You know, but it, it, it was a loving thing. And uh, even... All the trailers have a story, but I'm gonna take a break for now. So are you done? <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, I'm gonna say goodbye, but you know, um for now. Yeah, for now, for but now. I'm just gonna say thank you so much for all the guests, all the listeners. All who replied and say no, thank you still because you replied. <laughs> um, to all who didn't reply, I'm still waiting. <laughs> um, but just thank you for letting me be a part of your life, I guess, and wasting two, three, seven hours per week listening to two strangers talk about a film. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? No, I think that was a beautiful finish. Yeah, so again, can you tell our listeners where can they find you on the internet? So you guys can find me at the Film Experience, at Magazine HD, if you read in Portuguese. Also, I write some essays for Photogenie. I'm on most social media. You can find me at Claudio Alves DC. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, five-timer. And... Um, you can find me on Twitter at Carlos Ohana. This podcast at One Inch Bar. This podcast is everywhere, luckily. And then, um, 
you can still support me on Patreon as Carmen just said. Please, come on. We're going to be talking about fun stuff there. And um, I might be getting back to the film experience soon. Ah! <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But um, again, thank you so much for all your support. Uh, this is a goodbye for now. <laughs> Bitch, I'm taking a rest, baby. And um, thank you so much for sticking around for the past two years. And together, let us break the one inch barrier. <laughs>